favorite color of blue. Oh, thank yeah. you. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Good, good. Good morning. Amen. That's great to be back in the house of the Lord. We've had some great retreats we'll hear a little bit about uh, after worship. And so, in fact, if, you, if you've got a, a, a testimony of how God moved or something you really touched you in the youth retreat or the men's retreat, be thinking about that and we'll, we'll give some opportunity after worship but let's have some time of worship first and is anyone bold enough to pray this morning for the service Steve oh you will get Scott in back Let's stand as we worship this morning.
Jesus. 
we lift our holy hands. We lift our holy hands up. We want to touch you. We lift our voices higher and higher and higher to We are hungry. We are hungry. Tell him this morning. We are hungry. We are hungry. Thank you, Lord. We are thirsty. Oh, Jesus. We are thirsty. Let's sing that again. We are hungry. We are hungry. my holy hands and I lift my holy hands up and I want to touch you and I lift my voice higher higher and higher to I lift
so much 
allowed your son to die for us. You love us so much, you knew us in our mother's womb. You created us and gave us our personalities. You watched us grow and grieved when we made the choices that we did and some of us walked away from you and, and you called us and you wooed us and you loved us and you received us back. You forgave our every sin. You removed every wrong thing that we ever did. Chose to not remember it and removed it as far as the east is from the west. And even then, you call us your beloved. You saw us even as we'd come back to you and were serving you and made a choice again to turn away, fall away, to chase the things of this world to give into our own flesh and desires. And you called us home again. And you call us home still. And you say, you are my beloved. God, we thank you that your banner over us is love. That you never leave. walk with us through every moment. Thank you that you are our Father. Thank you, Jesus. You are beautiful, my sweet, sweet Thank you, Lord. We give you this time and ask God that you would walk with us and never leave us. We thank you that you never do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Love somebody and greet them and hug them and give them a knuckles and elbows and High fives and thank you.
Hello. All right. Well, good morning, Journey Church. How's everybody doing? Yeah. Well, hey, I have a, a video I'd like you guys to check out. We came back last night from our Reality Student Apologetics Conference. We had 15 of us go. Um, I had a little trouble getting the video to work the way it's supposed to, of course. And so you'll notice I love my youth. Thank you, girls. They taught me how to, you can screen, <laughs> screen record. See, I'm getting older. I don't know these things anymore. Um, you can screen record, and so they taught me how to do that, but you'll notice there might be a few pop-ups <laughs> that come up in the video, so just disregard that. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. No. Um, and then uh, there's one little snippet also that is uh, silent for a second. And uh, so please forgive that as well. So <laughs> I do what I can. Um, with that, take it away. So Destiny got to go up on stage during the conference. So that's her up on the big screen. Sam was very hungry. 
I was a minion. <laughs> Please ignore the pop-up. Deconstructing can damage uh, your, um, your faith and your walk with the Lord. It's okay to uh, be vulnerable and not to rush into anything and always be up for uh, talking about your doubts and questions that you may have and just opening my mind up a bit more to being, uh, well, open to more, um, what is that word? Like getting stuff, you know, get, getting told stuff and yeah, it's pretty much it. I learned that God will give you challenges, but he'll be there with you for every step of the way. And he knows you can handle it and that it will just help make you stronger. What I learned was that it's okay to ask questions. I learned that God comes closer to you in your doubt. And he never leaves you no matter what. I learned that the world is perverted dating in the real world. And I realize now that courting is better in the sense that it is a pre-planned um, relationship together that both of you decide on rather than just um, a fun activity. God taught me that everyone is loved no matter what. You just have to accept him in your life and then you're good. That God can handle all your doubts and that sometimes you have to speak or not speak, but you have to answer your own doubts. And yeah. <laughs> that uh, the world really likes Jesus a lot more than I thought they did, but the moment that you tell them exactly what he says and what he believes and they don't like him anymore, I found that really interesting. And just like, don't follow the world because they just constantly keep changing their mind on like how God will not change at all. He's consistent through all, for centuries and text has not changed for find so a lot of what the youth were talking about in regards to sometimes we have doubts in our faith there's a lot of stuff that the world is telling us a lot of stuff that even as we dig deeper into God's word we may have questions about but what I loved about this conference and what actually the Lord has been doing a theme in my life as well is just the truth of who God is 
and that there's so much um, support resources out there that prove who Jesus is and um, that the world's going to tell you something otherwise and that we can just stand firm in who um, Jesus is. And what's cool, too, is that they go over stuff like abortion. They go over stuff about doubt. They go over stuff about homosexuality. They go over stuff, all these different things that the youth and just the world in general are coming against in our faith. Um, they talked about so some of those hard hard things to go over. So it was a full packed day and a half of information that these students got to go through and awesome worship and then fellowship with one another. And so I just want to say a huge thank you once again for everyone that supported the youth with the yard sale and in your prayers, most importantly. And so we really appreciate it. And that's kind of a, a segue into as we receive our tithes and offerings, you know, when we're giving into our tithes, we're sowing into the lives of the people that are here within our church body, our family that we have here. Sometimes it's hard when we, um, you know, we're trying to be obedient. We're giving out of our pockets of, of the 10% that God has asked us. But when you get to see the fruit of what God does with that, how it in goes into the different ministries here at the church, how it just, um, you're investing into the lives of others really is what's happening when you're giving of your tithes and offerings. And so I want to thank you all for investing into the youth because I know that I love them <laughs> so much. So thank you guys so much. Oh, thank you. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> all right. Well, with that, let's pray for our tithes and offerings. Father, you are so incredibly good, and we thank you, God, that you, um, you did everything for us, God, so that we can have a relationship with you. Lord, as we give into the ministries here at the Journey Church, God, help us to remember that there are faces, there are true people that are behind that, Lord, that it's not just to keep the lights on, it's not just to do all those um, logistical things, but, Father, that we want to think of the hearts and the lives that are being impacted as we give into the tithe and offering, Lord. So, Father, we just ask that, God, that um, people would be able to grow closer to you and, most importantly, that you would be glorified. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as we get going, um, this conference is right where we're at, I think, in, in 1 Corinthians, uh, the, the subject. So I'm going to be preaching a lot of the things that we, we heard uh, out, of, in, uh, out of 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 4. But are there any testimonies, either from um, what someone God did on the, for the, in the men, for the men's retreat, or for the youth before I s continue on? And Jesse, where do we put that microphone? Casey. Oh, yep, okay. Awesome. All right. Okay. All right. Quick. Hey.
Hazel's next. So one thing, hello. One thing that I did learn at the youth conference that I've been struggling with a lot is that it's okay for me to doubt because everyone does. It's okay that you have this, this sometimes it's an emotional, intellectual doubt that like comes from like, well, what if God's not real? Well, what if I'm too far gone? Or what if this? What if that? But when, when I think about it and when they told is that if you have that strong enough foundation that is built on truth, that's built on fact, because God is in our entire history. He's everywhere. He's in, he's in the coffee shop. He's in the bricks and the mortar. He's in everything and everywhere. Everything you see, it's amazing. It's beautiful. That's just something that I found that was amazing. And it's something that really strengthened my, my faith in God. Awesome. She's just scrolling, scrolling, awesome. So I learned a lot of things, but some things that I that stood out to me is that um, if you have any questions, you have to turn to to your owner's manual, which is the Bible, and you can just talk to God, and that um, deconstructing never ends, and no one can tell you how to believe in your faith and deconstruction wait yeah is just a transition in your faith and that those are some things that just stood out to me really well awesome thanks Hazel <laughs> all right come up Destiny I wasn't gonna come up here I'm not prepared um I learned that you really just, it's 100% okay to ask questions. You know, you're never going to move forward and grow if you don't. You'll just be stuck in one place because you won't learn new things. Um, and like Hazel said, deconstruction isn't just completely getting rid of your faith. It's a way to, you can make it a way to just reform yourself and learn and so your faith fits you. And also, I have a newfound respect for public speakers because going on that stage was terrifying. Like, over 2,000 people were watching me. And I'm scared right now, too. So, <laughs> so props to them. Thank you. Right. Any, any men have anything they want to share from anything God did? And you don't have to, but just want to give opportunity for that. We we listened to a video series called Play the Man. And in there, he listed uh, characteristics that make a man. And one of them was tough love. And I always thought, you know, tough love was like holding other people accountable. And uh, we got into a big discussion. And Matt, Matt, who was Rob's son, went with us. And, and he ended up talking to us about He's the youngest one there, and he ends up talking to us about covenant love. And covenant love is what God has for his people, right? Uh, he had it for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And covenant love is like this. Uh, it's, Matt was explaining to us that, you know, there's kind of a contractual love when you get married. You know, you love me and I'll love you kind of thing, you know, for richer, for poor on both sides, right? But in covenant love, it's one-sided. It's God just looking at us and saying, I love you no matter how much you screw up. And so we are learning that tough love is really covenant love. 
uh, because it's the way that we love our kids. It's the way that we love each other, which says, it doesn't matter what you do, I'm going to love you anyway, mm -hmm. right? And that's, that was something for me that I thought, yeah, you know, that's it's something I need to work on with my older children is that kind of covenant love. Because when your kids are young, you guys who have young uh, kids, enjoy the time when they're young. Because when they get old, they make their own decisions and they kind of go their own way. And it actually takes more covenant love where you just say, even if I disagree with you, I love you and I care for you. And that will never go away. And that's the kind of love that God has for us. So uh, that was one of the things I got. Awesome. Good, good All right. Anyone else? Okay. Let's over here. It was, uh, oh boy, we went from Mexico, uh, came back for a couple of days, went to the men's retreat. Came back on Thursday night, left Friday for the youth retreat. And uh, uh, it's good to be home. Um, and there were so many good things um, that happened. And, and I want to kind of get into the, not kind of, I want to get into the word this morning. And it really does uh, kind of line up with what, we hap what happened over the weekend. So I'll be making some references to some of the things and try to clarify or even answer some questions that might be floating around in your head. You heard the word deconstructing and deconstruction a number of times. Some of you may not even un know what that is and haven't heard anything about that. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, starting in verse 3. We're just going to do um, 3, 4, and 5 this morning. Um, Heavenly Father, as we get into this time, Lord, you know that I am feeling weak. And uh, Father, that we just ask your spirit to come, Lord, and, and show up. Uh, be the one who speaks. Uh, help my words to be clear. Um, and let them be your words, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, so Paul is, is going on this, uh, this thing talking again. He's talking about being judged by others and, and different things. But we want to read, uh, starting verse 3, says, But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. Um, you know, so this passage, we're going well, speaking to me, and it's a little bit uh, off of what he's, what he's saying, but he's talking about we don't judge others uh, um, and we shouldn't care who judges us. Um, what we should be concerned about is how God judges us, what God thinks. And what this conference was about is an apologetics conference, but what they were helping us to do is to, uh, to understand that you can actually trust the Bible, that it's accurate. It's not just about feelings. It's not just about experiences. In fact, one of the, the main speakers said something in it, it really fried me at first and a lot of people. And I think even some of the other speakers were like, wait, what? And he says, your testimony doesn't necessarily matter. And I'm like, wait a second, what is that about? And he goes on to explain why he said that. Because you have a testimony of how God touched you and did things in your life. The problem is Mormons have a testimony of what God did in their lives. Oh, by the way, Muslims have a testimony of what 
God did in their life. Um, people all over the world have a testimony of what they think God or their philosophy or Buddha or anything else did in their life. If all that we have is our testimony, then what do we have that the world doesn't have? How is that any different? He was saying, listen, your testimony is your testimony. There's nothing wrong with that. But the, the point of the matter is that the Bible is true. The Bible is true, and, and, and that's enough. And so he, the, part of this conference is going on and helping us to understand that you don't have to be afraid of, of people who don't believe the Bible, who question things, or you yourself who has questions, because we can put our faith in the Word of God, in God Himself. Now, your testimony backs that up. And personally, you said this is you know, one of the, the things that why um, I understand the Bible is true. But again, the weak side of that is that other people have testimonies too. I remember speaking with some Mormons back on the street in New York City when I was doing an outreach one time, talking about that, telling them my testimony. And, and they said, you know, I've got similar testimonies. That's why I believe in Mormonism. We went back and forth and I went, wow, this is really a tough one. And so we need to be able to defend our faith. We need to be able to uh, be strong in our faith. And at times, we need to be able to take this, uh, this line of thinking that Paul has here and that he says, um, it's a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In other words, I don't really care. You can think things of me. You can judge me. Even the courts can judge me. I don't care. Why? Because I'm right. Now, that sounds conceited, but, but we need to understand we can take that, that, that attitude, especially if we're in the Word of God, that, that you know, I'm not trying to, to put anyone down or do anything, but I'm okay because I'm following God, but I'm not just following my feelings about God. I'm not just following my thoughts about God. I'm not just following my emotions about how God makes me feel. I'm following the Word of God. And we have to be careful in Christianity uh, to not just rely on our feelings and our experiences because that's what's happening uh, in this whole deconstruction moment and deconstruction movement. Now, what deconstruction is, there's a whole bunch of people, notable Christians, by the way, who have come to this point in their faith that they are re-looking at it and many of them are walking away from the faith. They are uh, calling themselves ex-evangelicals. They are calling themselves ex-Christian. Um, uh, some of these, what's that? Ex-apologetics. Um, they are people who were in the faith, people that we sing their songs still. Marty Sampson from Hillsong has walked away from his faith. And there is a number of songs he wrote that are beautiful songs. It doesn't negate the song. What happened is, is his... Uh, well, and I don't know exactly what happened with him. Joshua Harris, who wrote the book, I Kissed Dating Goodbye. Many Christian parents use that to help their, their kids go through this time of dating and, and whether they should be doing these things. We, we, we held him up. He became a pastor. He became a pastor and now has denounced 100% his faith. There are notable Christians who've walked away from their faith and they say things like, um, I have found more freedom now that I am not a Christian than I ever had before. I love my life. 
is we, we can't be afraid of that and, and, and plug our ears and, and be, be deaf and blind to what's happening in the world. So what, what has happened? Many of them had an experience, experience and an experiential Christianity that was based on some of our testimonies and thoughts and, and experiences, but it wasn't rooted enough in truth in the, in the Word of God. Now, that's not, that's not, of course, everyone, um, but, but so then they begin to deconstruct their faith, and, and one of the teachings, which was really powerful to hear, so good, is that what, what, by deconstructing it, what they're doing is they're deconstructing it toward how they want to feel and how they want to live. And we've got to be careful that we don't approach Christianity in the same way. See, Christianity is not about how I feel or how you feel or how the world feels or if we hurt people's feelings. Christianity has to be based upon Jesus Christ and the Word of God. And, and so we also, interesting, in that same uh, seminar, um, closely related but very different than deconstruction, is progressive Christianity. Progressive Christianity is, is becoming... Uh, you know, the soup du jour. I mean, it's, it's, it's what's happening. Uh, progressive Christianity is beginning to walk away from the foundations and the scriptures and beginning to just basically turning into universalism, turning into whatever it feels like, it sh it's okay. All truths are equal. Your truth, my truth, um, you do you, boo. <laughs> you do you, boo. And, and, and it's kind of a fun little saying, we, we, you know, some of you have heard that, and, I think, and I, we, we say that around the house sometimes, well, you do you, boo, but when it comes to our faith, it's not that simple. See, as, as Christians, yes, people have the ability and, and the free choice to do whatever they want to do. What we have to be careful of is that we don't ever slide so far into saying, it's okay that whatever you believe, that's fine. Well, it's not fine. It's fine. Yes, they can believe whatever they want to believe. We are tolerant. We are tolerant. Uh, we were having this conversation yesterday. Um, you know, are we tolerant? Absolutely. If, uh, do I tolerate the drug addict doing drugs on my corner? Yes, because I haven't shot him yet. I haven't stopped him from doing it, Right? You, you didn't run him. Do you tolerate the guy who's weaving in and out of traffic? Yes, you do. The, the proof is that you didn't ram him off the road. You tolerated him. You allowed him to do it. You got upset. You didn't agree with what he was doing. Tolerance is not about agreement. They, the people call Christians intolerant all the time because we disagree. That's not intolerance. What we're saying we believe that this is not a truth, but the truth. That the Word of God is the truth. And, and Paul is saying, I don't care if I'm judged by anyone. I, I, in fact, he goes, I don't even judge myself. And that's an interesting thing. I don't even judge myself. He's, he says, why? Because in the end, it's got to be God who judges me. There is a, a, a tattoo and a saying that was really common and maybe still is common out there. Um, I, we know some people who have the tattoo, and many people, when they get this tattoo, they mean it a certain way, and they put this, only God can judge me. Have you, have you seen that? Have you heard that? Only God can judge me. 
And many people, I, I can't judge everyone's hearts on that, what they're saying is, is, don't judge me, no one judges me, I'm fine. Only God can judge me. The statement is true, only God can judge me. But we need to be aware that God is going to judge you. You know, people who put that, I'm like, I've actually said a couple of times, like, aren't you scared? You should be a little bit frightened over that tattoo. Only God can judge me because it's absolutely true. Only God can judge you. And how is he going to judge you? Do we know? Well, well, as believers, we do know because we use the word of God to tell us how God actually judges people, including me. Last week, I, I said something that we can actually deceive ourselves. We can want something so much that we can fall into deception. And, and you can want something so bad that you can make it okay. In, in Christianity, one of the, we do this sometimes by, um, by twisting the word of God or by uh, making, changing things to where we, God now accepts the thing that we're doing simply because we really want to do it. I don't know if you've ever been there. But we'll start justifying it. And we'll get so far into justifying it that we will believe it. That God doesn't care about fill in the blank. And so Paul, I love it here. He's going, I don't even judge myself. Um, it says, I don't even judge myself for I'm not aware of anything against myself, but I'm not thereby acquitted. Just because you think you're okay doesn't mean you're okay. This is progressive Christianity and some of the things that are happening in the United States and, and sadly I feel like we're exporting it around the world now. It starts here often and then other countries pick up on it is this idea that we can kind of make up our own rules and we just say, well, it's all good. Uh, a lot of progressive Christianity, they stopped believing in hell because they have a, what do you do with hell if, 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 the Bible, to make the Bible be okay or you make your life okay. Uh, so they stop believing in hell. Uh, many of them don't believe in the virgin birth. Uh, they, they start taking these massive tenets of our faith and saying, well, that's not true. That's an idea. It's a philosophy. This is, this is progressive Christianity, and some of your favorite preachers are beginning to preach it. We have to be careful. We have to be careful of what's happening. And so, so Paul is, is helping us to, to get to that point saying, listen, I want to be at the point in my life that I can say, I don't care who, who judges me. I don't care who judges me, which means you have to be willing to not be liked. You have to be willing to maybe not be accepted. If everyone likes you and loves you everywhere, then, then we, we probably haven't stood up for the truth of the Bible. Now, I'm not saying we have to be mean or, or definitely not be intolerant, um, but we have to say, listen, I, I know you ha hold a different belief than mine, but here's what Jesus teaches. And I'm, as a believer... I'm pretty much forced to believe and agree with Jesus. 
These, I didn't make this up. Jesus actually talks about this in his word, whatever this is. And, and make sure that our beliefs are lining up with the word. Uh, one of the things that we learned in, in that is that you get to kind of let Jesus be the scapegoat. Put all, put all the weight on him. Listen, this isn't me. I didn't make this up. In fact, if I would have made it up, I probably would have made it up differently. I'm just, I'm a Christian, and so I, I have to believe what Jesus teaches. So, church, we have to know what Jesus teaches. We can't walk away from the Bible in, in whatever it is. There is not many ways to heaven. There, the Bible says that there's one through Christ. Now, I have friends that are not believers. I, I know people, I know homosexual people who disagree with me. I know, um, I'm trying to think if I have any Muslim friends. There's just not too many Muslims around. Um, I've met some, and, and that's fine, right? That's, they're doing their thing, but I need to say, if we have the conversation, I disagree with you. I don't, what we gotta be, have to be careful of is that we don't say, that's good for you. Who's ever seen the coexist bumper sticker? That coexist bumper sticker, do you, do you feel like it's pointed to Christians? I feel like it is. I feel like it's pointed to Christians. I've, I've heard a lot of people uh, talk specifically about that. Christians are intolerant. And then they'll kind of talk about this coexist. You know the funny thing with the coexist uh, sticker and the, the, the sign is that actually most of them disagree with each other fundamentally and can't agree. You know, the world, especially, see what the enemy's doing in this spiritual, especially, you know, here in the States, we see this a lot. The world is trying to ostracize, push Christian and fundamental Christians uh, to the side um, because, because they can't control us. So they're really trying to get us, get us away. So they, a lot of these things are pointed towards Christians. Christians are intolerant. Christians think theirs is the only way. Here's the shock. So do the Muslims. Islam teaches that everyone else besides Muslim are infidels. If you are a radical Muslim, you might believe in buying. Not all Muslims do this, by the way. They just don't. In fact, one of the things America's doing is they're watering down Islam, too, for them. A lot of Muslims, they're just about as watered down as most Christians. But in Islam, they're the only way. Convert or die. Now, now, thank God that there's not a lot that practice that. I mean, there's a lot, but not, there's hardly any in this country. Convert or die. Right. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. It, 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 this, this downgrade is, is happening all around, and it's breaking my heart. If you if you're, haven't been following it, get ready as you start looking because it's going to break your heart of, of Christians. And, and, and you might not realize some of the Christians you know are beginning to slide over here towards progressive Christianity. And we need to help people. You say, what, is you, what are you basing this move on? What are you basing this shift on? We need to base everything, come back to the Word of God. What's, what's awesome is that 
we, the, the Word of God is infallible, and, and we can trust it. Um, I encourage you to go on to places like our Right Now Media account and watch some of these apologetics videos by Jay Warner Wallace um, who, who come up with these ways of helping you to go, uh, you can trust the, the Bible, where it came from, that it's the Word of God. Um, read the book, uh, Case for Christ. Um, read uh, Josh, Josh McDowell's um, More Than a Carpenter. There's some books that have been around for a long time. Get these things inside of you to help you to go, this is true. Now, a lot of the kids said one of the things that was really good for them is that it's okay to doubt. And, and I have a feeling that some of you really had a problem with that. We have grown up for a lot of years in the church where, where you felt like if you doubted anything, that it was a sin. That it was a sin. So just you can't doubt. So many people, and, and if that's not you, praise the Lord for that. Many people have these doubts inside, but now they can't talk about them. And they're just doubts. I've had doubts in my life. I mean, I, I, I've found myself at times doubting the whole thing. You ever have a crisis moment and you go, is this thing even real? Now, we don't want to live in that. We want to uh, build some things in our life that we would say, okay, what is true? You say, well, I'm having a problem, but you guys say, what? well, what is true? And you maybe write these things down because there's some things that you'd say, well, I still believe that's true. One of the things I think that most would say is, Something created this universe. I mean, I can't, I can't even fathom getting so far away that this thing just happened by luck. In fact, most scientists have now come to there's a creator because the idea that it just happened stopped working scientifically. There's a creator. And you start coming back, well, the Bible has been around for a long time. And there's evidence in the Bible that it was actually, um, much of it was written within 30 years of Jesus. Scientifically, you could figure that stuff out. So you start going, well, so the Bible's been around for a, a long, long time. I can maybe start trusting the Bible. But, but is, it, is it true? What it, it says about Jesus, if you guys aren't following this in, in the world, um, people are writing books, um, How Jesus Became Christ. Have you seen that one? They, they say that Jesus never tried to be G the Christ. That didn't happen until about 300 years after. And, and, and that Jesus was just this great rabbi. And sure, they wrote things about him, but they changed some of those things over, the bio, over time to actually make it seem like he was doing all these miracles. Lazarus never raised from the dead. Jesus was just an awesome rabbi. And man made him God. And this is what's being taught. But we can refute that. Not just because I don't like it. We have to get beyond it. I, I just don't like that, so I'm not going to believe it. But, but we can say, well, um, you know, in the book of Mark, um, and in the book of Mark, you see uh, certain things written. You can tell that was actually probably the first gospel, earlier gospel written. Um, and Luke took some of that stuff from, from Mark. But Luke was written, you know, by probably 60 AD, and you can, there's actually ways you can find why we believe that. In the book of Acts, 
just a quick one. In the book of Acts, it doesn't talk about Paul's death. It doesn't talk about James, the brother of Jesus' death. But it does talk about some of the deaths of, of some other people. Why on earth would, would the writer of Acts not include the death of the biggest people in Christianity if it's going to include some of these other minor players' deaths? Stephen, Stephen died, and they talked about that. You know why Paul's death is not included in the book of Acts? Because the book of Acts was written before Paul died. Simple. So you start going, I can trust this. People say the Bible's just full of errors. Show me them. Help me to understand which ones you think are errors. Because I can actually, we can begin to go and defend our, our, our uh, faith. And it is actually a, a truth, not just a subjective truth, but it's an objective truth. Is truth true if I don't agree with it or like it? Yes. Unfortunately, I would like to think that pizza and ding-dongs don't make me fat. <laughs> and some of you may, have, may be living that way. Right? You can think it all day long. You, you can, can think, wow, this is lemonade, this is lemonade, this is lemonade. By the way, it's poison. And you can think it's lemonade all day long, but when you drink it, you're going to die. Truth is not truth because you believe it. it truth, that's the kind of inconvenient about truth is true, whether you want to believe it or not. And so Paul is in this writing in 1 Corinthians. He's saying, listen, I don't, you can't, I don't care if you judge me or not. I don't even judge myself. I just try to live the way God wants me to, and eventually he's going to judge me. He's going to show me where I was off and where I wasn't. And that's true for all of us. All of us will stand and be judged, but what are we basing our, our life on? What's the basis for truth? When I, when I grew up, there was this kid in the neighborhood. Um, he became became a, a friend and a family friend in the neighborhood there. And, but whenever he got hurt, we were playing, and if we hurt him or he got hurt uh, physically or emotionally, he would always say this, this thing, I'm going to sue you. <laughs> it was his favorite thing to say. He would say this to us all the time, I'm going to sue you. He was like 10 years old at the time. I thought, well, you got a lawyer in your back pocket or what? Um, it was really funny, but... You know, being sued is, is not funny in real life. Some of you have gone through, through lawsuits. Um, if a lawyer thinks that you have a good case, he might, he might take your case and, and go and try to, try to sue you. Um, they are making the judgment that you did something wrong, and they think they have a good case against you. If that happens, you hope that you can find as also a good attorney who says, no, you know, I, they don't have a good case against you. Um, I think we can win this. And above that, what you really want is the judge who knows the law and can determine truth and, and weed through all this stuff. Right? Isn't that what you, what you want? See, you can want something to be true. People, when they sue you, they want, they want it to be true that somehow you're responsible for what happened to me. They, that's what they want. But that doesn't make it true, does it? Some of you 
ensued and, and lo they lost the case. Why? Because there was no grounds for it. There was, it wasn't true. In the end, it doesn't matter that we want life to be a certain way. We want to be able to do whatever it is that we want to do and that God blesses it. You can want that all day long, but the Bible doesn't say that that is truth. So we go back to the Word of God. And as believers, what I, in this last just couple minutes, what I want to encourage us, a couple of things is, Know the word. Let's be familiar with the Bible, not just how we want it to, to be on our feelings about it. Read the Bible. Study the Bible. Um, find people who've studied these things out who can explain why the Bible is accurate. Uh, um, and not just, not just here, okay, it's good, it, it's true, it's true, it's true, it's true, it's true. Okay, it's true. You can say something as many times as you want. It doesn't necessarily make it true or right. So let's be people who, who get into the Bible and who are noble like the Bereans, to testing whether things are accurate and true. Let's live that way. Also, what I want to encourage us is to, to live boldly. Live boldly. The world is trying to shut us up. They really don't want you to talk. I mean, people get silenced. They get shut down on social media. They don't want to hear it. Why? Because some things that we believe and say make other people feel bad. And, and I don't want to ever try purposely just do something to make somebody feel bad. That's not the point. When, when I was young, I, had some, I did it once with them. After I did it, I actually felt bad about it. But I had some buddies. We, lit, we were down by the village, and we'd be like on Pennsylvania Avenue, and somebody would be like lost, and they'd be like, hey, where's the ski area? So they'd say, well, you go back down Pennsylvania, turn right at Pine Knot. When you get to the signal, turn left. Go around at the end of the lake. When you get to the dam, cross the dam, and then turn right. You'll go through a little place called Fawnskin. <laughs> And, and, and it's, it's a little ways, it's, it, but it's only about 30 or 40 minutes from now. And when you get to the other side of Fonskin, there's another road called North Shore. We'd get them there via Fonskin. That's pretty mean, huh? <laughs> what, what if you were on the 10 freeway, close to the 10, you're down in... In, in Redlands or, you know, something, and somebody just kind of shows up and said, hey, I'm trying to get to Santa Monica. And, you, and, and somebody said, you know, it's, it's off the 10. It is. It's off the 10. So what you want to do is get on the 10 and go east. And just keep driving until you hit Santa Monica. <laughs> now, if you heard somebody giving directions like that, wouldn't you want to say, don't do that? That's not going to get you where you want to go. Don't go east. You need to go west. You know, don't do that. Don't help them out. That would be mean to get involved. Why on earth would you put your belief system on which way the beach is to somebody else? They believe that the beach is east, so let them believe that. 
that's ludicrous, isn't it? How come we think, oh man, that would be so mean to let somebody go to Tucson instead of Santa Monica? Actually, that might be better for him. But, um, you know, that, that'd just be mean, but it's okay to let people go to hell because I don't want to make them feel bad about the choices that they're making. This is what the world is telling you. Just let, let everyone be. And I'm not, again, I'm not saying we don't have to be a, a jerk about things, but we have the truth and we need to live it in truth and, and be like, Paul, I, I don't care if you judge me. This, I believe, is the truth. And, and, and when I get to the end, God, God is my judge. God is my judge. And, and I'm taking that really seriously because I don't want to be found lacking. I don't want to be found fooling myself. I don't want to be deceived myself. If you don't think that you're capable of being deceived, we have to be on guard against uh, um, progressive Christianity and all these things going on, um, tolerance and all these, these uh, buzzwords that we say. If you don't think that you can be deceived a little bit, I'm just going to say a couple of words to you. Amway, Melaleuca, Shackley, Ginsu, Herbalife, Timeshare, and the Abslider. Because some of you bought into those. Some of you bought into a lot of those. And you got out and went, I was deceived. It's not going to make me rich. It's not going to make me skinny. It's not going to cut the tomato and the tin can at the same time. $29.95 later and a smokeless ashtray to go with it. We've been deceived. We, we buy into things for whatever reason. Let's be people of the word. Let's be people who build our, our, our foundation on the truth. And then when we get it, say, listen, I believe this is true, not just because I want it to be. I have searched the scriptures. I have, I have studied to whether or not this book is accurate and reliable, and I find it, it is. And I can't, I, as, a, as a Christian, I can't do anything else but do what Jesus said. I have to do what he says. Let's, let's not miss that mark. We can, let's live in such a way we can boldly proclaim that it's a small thing that I should be judged by you in comparison to God. Who are you that I should worry about being judged by you? God is my judge. I need to be concerned about pleasing him, living for him, living in such a way that I might hear when I'm done, well done, good and faithful servant. That needs to be our goal. And, and we need to pray for wisdom on how to reach people with the truth. We need to pray for courage to live our faith boldly, to, to, to live it out in, in public in a way that is glorifying to God and also attractive to people that they might want the truth. Jesus was a great example. He never... He, he never backed down, but he did know how to talk to certain people in a certain way that, that brought them to him. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we um, thank you that we are here today. God, we thank you that you called us out of darkness. 
Lord, we thank you that you preserved the writings in, in the scriptures, in the word of God for us. God, we thank you that it is reliable and trustworthy. Lord, sometimes we have doubts. We don't understand why bad things happen to good people. We don't understand suffering completely. God, I thank you that we can build up the things that we can say, but I know this is true, and I know this is true. God, I thank you that there are people who are smarter than me that uh, can teach me how to defend my faith, teach me uh, why I can trust the Bible, people who've, who've done the work that I can... I can read and verify that their work is accurate but, and say it's true. Father, after all of these things, we thank you for what you've done in, in our personal lives because our testimonies are have, of how you moved and you've done miracles that we can't explain. And I think those testimonies are verified and validated by the word of God, that you are God, you alone. Father, so we thank you for for all of it. We ask that you would help us to press into you, to grow, to learn, to be bold, um, wise as serpents and gentle as doves in this world. Help us to um, speak the truth, but do it in such a way that people feel the love of God and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have some fellowship and time in the in the foyer. Finish off the snacks and coffee. I'm I'm well